and welcome to Trinspo, the travel inspiration podcast. Today we have Ben Ruiz with us. Hello. Welcome, Ben. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship with travel? I am Ben Ruiz, a game developer from Arizona, where I was born and raised. And travel for me has changed over time, I would say, in pretty major ways. How is that? Well, my family did not travel a lot growing up. We did a couple big drives for family stuff. You know, I had an uncle get married and aunt get married, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it wasn't until I was an adult that I got to travel mostly for work and then in the last four or five years for fun. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's funny, too. It's like when I when I first started having to travel, I was not jazzed about it. And it would eventually become something that I would love and appreciate. Yes, yeah. I definitely relate to that. Mm. I know that as a kid, my parents took us on road trips yes, in the summer. Right. Mm. And they were fun. And some parts of them were annoying or long. Right. But... I really came to appreciate them most as an adult, which yes. is ironic. Oh, 100%. As a kid, I was just like, whatever, this is a thing that mm-hmm. we do every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I'm like, wow, it's so cool that they really like push to take us out of our comfort zone yeah. and show us some other parts of the United States. Yes. And they yeah. didn't have to do that. And they had to you know, plan it and budget it. And I definitely did not appreciate it as a kid. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't realize that they were also probably planting the seeds of a future travel bug. Yes, yeah, and I have to take that opportunity to say thanks, Mom and Dad, for making it happen enough times that, you know, it was something I wasn't frightened of once yeah. I finally had to start doing it, you know, because I've yeah. known people like that. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. So you're here to tell us a travel story today. Yeah. What's it about? So I kind of have two separate things I tend to talk about when, when travel comes up, and one is sort of micro stories, and those aren't super important. Important right now, but one is like my big travel story, and that's when I spent three months in Mexico. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when so, was this? So this was at the end of I want to say it was 2012. Yes, 100 certain it was the end of 2012. Um, my business partner at the time, Matthew, him and I were working on a game together, and we had a married couple friend of ours, a married couple that were mutual friends for a long time, and. They had done very well on a game they had shipped a couple years before, and they were just traveling with that money. That's all they did 100% of the time. So they they had been all over Europe. They had been over North Africa. They had been into Asia a little bit, and they were were starting to get back into the North America, South America part of the world, and they were visiting us in Arizona. And they said, we are going to Mexico at the end of this year. You two should absolutely come with us. And of course, we said, we kind of have to. Four of us splitting a big house on the Mexican beach sounds incredible. So this is a thing we clearly have to do. So uh, we were there for three months from the beginning of October to the end of December of 2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And what part of Mexico were you staying in? So we were just northwest of Puerto Vallarta, which is like halfway down the West Coast. We We were 30 minutes north and west in a place called Sayulita which is a fishing village that in the last five to 10 years has started to get a little bit of tourist attention, okay. which is cool because there was some English speaking there. We didn't have to learn Spanish. And it was doubly cool because it was not overloaded with people yet. And yeah. as, as introverts, as game developers, this was a big sell for us because we knew we wouldn't be, you know, pushing through crowds and fighting for, a, a you know, space at the beach. And so a lot of it made sense. 
Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think regardless of personality, no one loves a hugely touristy area. Yeah, like sometimes right. you want to see the tourist sites, but yeah, yeah. you want to get in and get out. And for sure, for if sure. If you're going to live somewhere for three months, it sounds like a perfect balance. And that's exactly the thing. It's like it was going to be a temporary home, so we didn't really want to be dealing with... We, we wanted to feel as much like a home as possible. So yeah, that's a, that's a big deal when that's the situation for sure. But yeah, Sayulito is a fishing village. Uh, I don't know how long it's been there, but it seemed pretty old and it was kind of <laughs> cool. And there was a huge range of living spaces there. There was huge houses up on this hill. And there were tiny little shacks on the beach and there were people in yurts. Like, even though it wasn't a big place, it felt very big just with all the people moving through it. And, and it was incredible. It was so cool. So there are people living in Europe? So here's the interesting thing. I had ended up making a few Australian friends, actually. Australians are everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I had met a few people and had conversations with them. And it turns out that their backpacking through Europe is flying to South America and like surfing up the coast. And so we had we had connected with all these people that were just moving through the town at the same time we were there. And they were like, yeah, we started in Peru. We started in Argentina. We flew to this place and we've just been like slowly making our way up the sand. Oh, and so cool. uh, yeah, and so we'd met all these Australians, all different stories and it, it skewed college age, but it was it was actually kind of a, a little bit of an interesting age range. But uh, yeah, some of them were just in yurts that they carried with them. Some of them were in like little groups tents some of them just kind of buried a sleeping bag in the sand it was interesting these were like very rugged like maybe they also weren't big travelers growing up but they'd already been on the road for like four five six eight nine months you know and so they were like pros in the making you know yeah it becomes mm -hmm. your lifestyle at that yeah, yeah, point. yeah yeah and they were all loving it they loved it they were like right at home have you ever seen the motorcycle diaries it's a movie mm-hmm -mm. It's a movie about Che Guevara and one of his oh, friends sure. back mm -hmm. in the day, way before the revolution. And it kind of reminds me of that because I think they started in Mexico and went all the way through South America on a yeah. motorcycle. Awesome. So it sounds like yeah. all these Australians were doing yes. similar, yes. perhaps opposite mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and some of the ones that I talked to, they'd said that they just kind of went and went until they ran out of money. Some of them were like, I'm going to a specific location. Like they all had different motivations and it wasn't just this kind of one unified ritual that they all did um it was really just the plane to south america was the ritual and then that's where everyone diverged it was super interesting i mm -hmm. think that's super interesting too i've met a lot of australians on my travels and that's why i joke that australians are everywhere yeah, because yeah i feel right. like even some of the most remote corners of the world i've met an australian tourist mm -hmm. there with me so it's kind of awesome to have a fellow yeah, traveling right, spirit right but i think that in their culture from what i've learned it's super common to have a gap year even when you're in your working sure. years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you might even be working full time and you're just like, oh, I'm going to take a year or two and just go travel. And that's very common and it's very expected. Yeah. And I really love that. And I wish that yeah. were a little bit more of our culture because yeah. it's definitely you get a weird look if you were going to do sure. the same thing sure. here. And mm -hmm. people wonder, oh, what's your seriousness about your career or about your yeah. schooling or whatever is next for you? Are you really thinking about that? It's not as much of an expected thing in yes. the U.S., but it seems like it's very much expected. And that's so yeah. healthy to, to yeah. just be like, yes. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because it, it very much felt like a revolving door. Like we were there for three months. We kind of stayed in mostly the same place. And just the amount of Australians that would come <laughs> through into the same little cafe we were eating at or whatever it was, was really crazy. It was interesting. So that, yeah, that makes a, a ton of sense, actually. So are you staying in a year in Mexico? No. We, yeah. So, so us four had split the cost of a, a house 
And uh, it was a bit of a pain at first because we were game developers. We needed to find a place with internet. And mm. so we ended up, you know, quote unquote, finding a place with internet. But it was like this huge battle to make sure it worked. But no, we ended up finding this great place. It was a house under a canopy, which is like makes sense if you're not used to the sun beating down on you 24 hours a day. <laughs> we found this place under a canopy and it, it, it was sort of like dug into the ground too. So the property was surprisingly cool. Even though it was very hot and very humid, it was this really interesting, you know, they figured out the way around the, the thermal problems. And we were about a five minute walk from the beach. Okay. And so when you say under canopy, you mean under tree canopy. Tree canopy. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah right. Okay. And so Not just like there's a canopy. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a huge canopy <laughs> like made of, yeah. Roof on tree. The <laughs> yeah, so it was this wonderful, very, very beautiful canopy of leaves and trees. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, there was fruit and birds that sounded like dinosaurs up there. But yeah, it, it was actually mostly pretty cool. And our routine was, because our intent was to, to live normal work, play lives, and have a work day and take our weekends off and do fun stuff. But the reality of the situation was in, in this tropical 100% humidity part of the world was that we'd get up because the roosters would wake us up, <laughs> these super loud roosters in all directions, and we'd get up right as the sun was coming up, and we'd work until about 11 when it got too hot and too disgusting to mm. think thoughts. And so when we realized after a couple of days that this is just going to you know, be the way that it, that was the way it was going to be, we just developed the ritual of let's go to the beach. Let's go find a weird little beach bar and get some chips and dip and awesome guacamole there, of course, in Mexico. And, and they do an interesting thing with beer where you can buy beer. You can even take it to the bars. And if you take the bottles back, you get your next huge case of beer for next to nothing because <laughs> the glass is the cost, not the beer. So we nice. probably had too much beer, but that's fine when you're on a, a journey in yeah. Mexico. That's okay. It's so, just part of living like a local. Yeah, right, right, right. Like. And yeah. so, yeah, we, we would do this great thing, walk to the beach and just kind of sweat out the hot hours uh, near the water. You know, we'd, nice. we'd do a little bit of fishing, talk to locals, bar hop a little bit and people got to know us and recognize us and that was really fun and then we'd come back and the sun would be setting and we'd get a couple more hours of work in and so we we would mostly find our normal work day after a week or so it was just split into two parts and so we'd fall asleep and then get up and that was kind of the way it was for a while that's mm -hmm. awesome yeah so you were working independently at the time. So you didn't necessarily have a company that you had mm -hmm. to answer to. Was yeah. that part of what helped the scheduling to 100%. be so flexible? Yeah, yeah. yeah th that entire company was me and Matthew, the guy that was there with me. And so we didn't have a, a corporate body to talk to. We didn't have anyone else to report to. It was just him and I. And he was staying in the room right next to me. We'd get out. We'd be on the second floor. There'd be like a balcony up there and be like, hey, good morning. What are we doing today? And that was the end of it. That's it was awesome. great, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice conference. Yes, call. yeah, yeah. It was, oh, <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, yeah. Could be way worse than that, you know? That's awesome. And then did any of you speak Spanish when you first arrived? So I'm actually half Mexican, but the problem with my family is they're second generation, and I never learned because I never had to. So mm -hmm. I actually felt kind of weird. Like, I was vaguely recognizing what people were saying around me, but I couldn't talk to them. I didn't 100% know what they were saying. And those three spoke no Spanish at all. We at some point got lessons from a local that's oh, really cool. great, 100% fluent in both languages type guy. And, and this was a big part of his income was teaching people Spanish. Nice. And so we were with this great dude for about a week. 
And it was pretty obvious after a week that we were not retaining any of this <laughs> because he would he would come to our location, to our cool little house during our like drinking hours in the midday. <laughs> and so we became friends with this dude. His name was Omar. And it got to the point where he's just like, I'm not teaching you guys any Spanish. You're hopeless. Let's go to the beach. And so that was the vibe there. It was very much like, well, we're here. It's hot. You're not going to do the thing that you meant to do right now. So Let's go do something fun for a bit. So no, we we didn't end up speaking any Spanish, which is why we kind of ended up frequenting a few specific places in the village that had English speakers. So it worked gotcha. out perfectly. We didn't we didn't really have to. Yeah, it's a privilege, and it was great. As a learner of another language, alcohol can actually help to speak the language. Really? It actually remove some of your inhibitions, right? Oh. So when you know at least a little bit of the language, mm-hmm. a lot of times we're very nervous to speak because we feel like we might be judged by especially yeah, speakers sure. that might be around us right. I that know the language that. very well. So alcohol can help in certain situations. But right. I guess if you were if yeah. you're drinking a lot of alcohol, yeah, that right. would no longer help. Yeah. Or if you just aren't learning, you know, much to begin with, yeah. it's hard to use that. Yeah. And it, there's definitely also an issue of like, we didn't contact this person until maybe a month and a half into the trip when it's obvious mm. it would be super helpful. Yeah. And by then we were already sort of into our like energy fatigue, energy cycle and yeah. trying to learn that at that point of the day with or without alcohol was just probably a lost cause. Yeah, so, you have a routine and that doesn't necessarily right, right. incorporate this learning yeah. session. Yeah. So yeah. we tried, but that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of the craziest things you encountered when you lived in Mexico? Oh, there were so many cool things that I, kind of wasn't really expecting like there was a bird it would only make sound in the morning but it sounded like a dinosaur and we couldn't see it it took us like weeks before we saw it for the first time and it ended up being this I don't know, the size of a football at the biggest. It wasn't like this huge thing that you would expect, but it would land on the trees above us and make dinosaur sounds. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. And that was really cool because we're like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And we weren't having any luck finding out from the locals what this bird was. Like they probably didn't even hear it at that point. They'd been living in this place their whole life. They're like, what bird are you even talking about? Yeah, like, like what noise are right, you even talking about? Yeah, it's about? like, yeah. what are you, are you crazy? Uh, we ended up finding out that this thing is called a chakalaka. And you can look, yeah, it's super cool. (laughs) And you can look up at sounds on YouTube. I'm not even kidding. It sounds like a a huge dinosaur. That was super cool. Uh, Yeah, we kept meeting like these Australians and and I went on a couple dates with one and she was super cool. And I was not expecting for that to be a thing that happened. But like, (laughs) I think they're in a similar boat where they're like, well, we've been traveling up the coast in this on this huge journey and like not encountering a lot of English speakers that aren't the people we came with. So like, yeah, of course, let's go hang out like this would be really cool to get your story. And so that was really neat. And that's when I got my first dose of super vulgar Australian slang, which was awesome. (laughs) I was like, please tell me your slang. I want to hear all the awful things you say. And she, you know, she's laughing and knows it's a stereotype, but she's like, well, you know, but here's the few things like I call my mom and it's like, whoa, you guys are crazy down there. I'm not going to repeat any of it on the mic, but it was great. You can tell me after. Yeah, I'll tell you after. Yeah, it's, it's so rough. But uh, that was really neat meeting Australians. And I ended up, oh, this is. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell it because yes, nothing bad, it. because nothing bad happened. So. The cafe that I'd mentioned was right down the street from the place we'd rented. It was this family-run business, and they occasionally hired non-family members, you know, whatever. 
but it was this great place and the family was awesome. And they spoke just enough English that we were able to, you know, to, to get along swimmingly with everyone and, and not necessarily have big conversations. But one of the waitresses there was this really pretty girl. And I was like, oh, I totally got to like take her out. Let's do something. I got to go on a date with a, with an indigenous girl. I mean, she wasn't native indigenous. I just meant from the area. Right. So yeah. I was like, oh, I got to meet her. I got to know her name. She did not speak English. So I was like, oh, I got to figure, <laughs> I got to figure something out here. So Learning some Spanish then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this was actually, I don't know if this was before or after, but that wasn't even a factor yet. So in my mind, I'm like, I need a solution. What can I do? And I asked her out and we met through a translation app on the phone. Whoa. And it was awful because this was the end of 2012. This technology still isn't there <laughs> yeah, now, I'm let alone that it even yeah, right, let alone six years ago. And so uh, I finally get her to a place that wasn't too far away, and we're having a drink. Which is an in, the, the interesting part, and you'll know why in a second. We're having a drink, and she's game. She's like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk through your phone. Let's try it out. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, hey, what, you know, what do you do for fun? Like, you know, tell me about stuff. And, and it would take a second to think. And the internet was bad, so, like, the translation was slow. <laughs> so it was this big, awkward, silly thing. But, you know, we're both having an okay time. And, and we managed to, to have a, a sort of semi-conversation going on for a while. And uh, at some point... She tells me something and and the translation app says, my books, my textbooks. I was like, oh, cool. Like you're going to college somewhere. Like you're taking classes somewhere. Tell me about that. Okay. And uh, she ends up saying something, something that didn't get translated very well, school bus. It's like, oh, you have like a school bus to your college? And she ended up saying, no, high school. I'm 16. I'm like, oh, okay. I have to go. Please forgive me. I have to leave right now. And I fucking ran out of there. I was so terrified. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? She not look 16. She looked like a woman. Nothing happened. I promise. I didn't speak to her again, but holy crap. I was so terrified. I was like, you know, like, like I had these awful anxiety. Of, I, I had this terrible reoccurring anxiety of like, oh, I was speaking through my phone. So the FBI knows I'm here. No, it was terrible. But yeah, so. So that was a really funny thing that happened and it would not have happened if we both spoke the same language, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's a great uh, lost in translation Mm -hmm, story mm -hmm. for sure. Oh boy. Did you give her a resolution of why you were leaving or did you just peace out? No, I I, as clearly as I possibly could (laughs) said, this isn't okay. You're sweet, but you're too young. I have to go. And then the phone is sitting there doing its (laughs) thing and then it spits out what hopefully was a good translation of what I was trying to say. And I didn't even look back. I was like, oh, God, I'm so scared. I don't want her to I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want to make her feel weird. Maybe this isn't weird here. I don't know. But I was I was too frightened to do the civilized thing <laughs> to be like, make sure, you know, wait and make sure she understands what's going on. I was just too frightened. So I got the hell out of there. I think that's OK, though. You at least tried to explain it as right. best as you could. Right. And, and right. at some point, trying to explain it through the phone might have just made it worse. Yeah. So you gave it a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. And then right. Right. Left yeah. the situation. It, it doesn't feel like an ethical lost cause because... I got the hell out of there. <laughs> but oh boy, yeah, language is such a such a tricky thing, you know? It definitely is. Yeah. It's sometimes hard to communicate with people in English or just the nuances yeah, right. of communication mm-hmm. are very difficult to pick up or interpret from different people. So yeah. to do it in other languages, there's a reason why it's still yeah. not that easy. Oh my God, yeah. 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 So it, it's really funny in retrospect. It definitely haunted me a bit just because reasons <laughs> that are normal, you know, yeah. but it's all good now. And, and, and I would say as far as as far as the remarkable parts of the trip are concerned, the one of the final things that I, I always have to tell people is 
two different times we got on trimarans. And so those are like the the three-part boats. You know, they're not very big, oh. but they're sailboats, but they have motors. So it's kind of like this best of both worlds situation as far as boats go. So it's like bigger than an average motorboat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you took a motorboat and squashed it, so it became like banana shaped and okay. then put three next to each other, that's the trimaran. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I think I've seen that. It's big enough that you could like walk on it. You could have a handful of friends on it and big old sails. And so it, it was a service that they offered tourists where you could pay a little bit of money and they take you out for the whole day. Awesome. And so I wasn't really expecting to enjoy this because I don't care about the ocean by default. I'm a desert rat. It doesn't excite <laughs> me, you know, from a, from a default like point water? of view. Like yeah. It's like, you know, water, whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't super care. I mean, the ocean is endlessly interesting, but I don't want to sit in it. It's cold. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, let's Even get in a- Mexico, was it cold? No, it was not at all. It was oh, not. Okay. It was yeah, the water but there felt general. wonderful. Yeah. But in general, okay. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, fine. Let's get on this boat. <laughs> and it ended up being one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. Everything about it was amazing because the water was great there. But we got in this boat and it was us four plus the two drivers plus like three other tourists. And there, there was enough room on this boat that we didn't really have to interact with these other people. We weren't really in the mood for that. Like, I think we were just kind of looking for a liberating, chill experience, not socializing. Mm-hmm. So we get on this boat and it was incredible. Like the two guys driving the boat would cast fishing rods behind us and they would reel in fish and make fresh ceviche. And most of the day was just moving. Like the first boat trip was, uh, they took us to a bird sanctuary, like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was really cool. It was like this big donut shaped island. And you swim through a little tunnel to get to a beach on the inside of the donut. And on, on top of the rock part, it's just a billion different birds. And it's cool. It's like a safe space. Like no one's allowed to, to do anything that would affect the birds there. But the locals know about it. They drive their own little boats out there. And, and once we swam inside this beach, there's like families playing inside this like secret beach 15 miles off the coast. Oh, it was wow. so interesting. But on our way there, as the ocean floor level started to rise, mm. uh, as we got closer to the island, they'd stop the boat and say, just jump off. Just do it. Here's goggles. Here's a snorkel. Jump off. And we would just fly into these like paradises underwater. It was incredible. And I was not expecting it. And there's all these schools of fish down there and they don't care that you're there. They're just kind of looking at you. (laughs) It's so beautiful and amazing and liberating. And then we go to the bird sanctuary and come out. And then the rest of the day is like, all right, we're riding you back home now. But now you just get to relax. Like I found a place at the very front middle tip of the boat where I got to sit, put my legs over the the front edge of the boat and put my back up against like one of the masts and just sit there. And you know, the front of the boat is like seesawing me up and down. It was so relaxing. It was so incredible. It's like just enough movement to kind of like lull you into this peaceful state. And I think I sat there for two, three hours and just watched the ocean fly by us. And that was incredible. And then the second trip we did, we went to a place called Yalapa, which is an, another island to the south of where we were. And this island is like a rock spire that kind of shoots up into the sky. And there's a village, like in a spiral staircase up the rock. Whoa. And These places sound crazy. No, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, it's like, like Yalapa is like a fantasy painting. It was incredible. Like riding up to it, you see this little beach and there's umbrellas and chairs and you're like, oh, this is touristy stuff. And then as you get closer, you see that like it's a real human village winding up that has been here for god knows how long so we get off the boat and we sit down and we get some lunch and this dude 
immediately comes up to us and plops this gigantic dinosaur iguana on our shoulders. <laughs> it's like, take a picture, take a picture. And of course, he's that's his job. He wants money for it. But yeah. of course, we did it. This was a massive monster of an iguana. Was this iguana like bigger than you? I mean, how it was big was it? It was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I would say, I mean, they have really long tails. But I think the best way to communicate it is that its head was almost the size of my head. Like, okay. I have a photo of it. It's monstrous. And it didn't give a crap. This thing was so, like, I don't care, just what, what, just sitting on people's shoulders all day. So we got, we got this great picture with this iguana and had some food. And then we walked all the way up this spiral village up to the top of this rock. And there's, like, a lagoon at the top where, where a waterfall splashes into it. What? And then we swim in it. And you can, like, see down the path you just walked up. It was so incredible. And like I said, a fantasy painting. And... Giant spiders everywhere, though. That's the downside. I'm yeah, not, I really, that part really, don't put in the painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. I conveniently really, really, keep that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't like spiders. I'm terrified of them. Don't use that against me, listeners. But <laughs> we kept walking by these houses, and we'd see these people-sized webs from like ground up to like the second floor mm. hangover with these massive spiders in it. And I'm like, I'm not even going near this. I'm gonna start to get heebie-jeebies. And the people I was with said, no, no, you got to come look at these things. Like, just deal with it for a second. And I'm kind of glad I did because these are like tropical spiders covered in unimaginable colors. Like, their legs are striped and they have weird patterns on their butt and they, they don't move. They're like too big to just move around wherever they want. <laughs> but yeah, so That's that was incredible. Out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on our way back from that particular trip, at some point, the sun is setting. This was so ideal. I can't believe it still. The sun is starting to set and one of the guys like starts yelling and pointing off the side of the boat. And in the distance, we're like, oh, there's like a fish jumping out of the water. That's crazy. Like, I wonder if this is a you know big type of local fish. Turns out it was over 40 dolphins that Whoa. were swimming right at our boat. And they fly at the boat all in a big group. And then they start moving with the boat and swam alongside us for about 20 minutes. Whoa. It was incredible. Like, it gives me goosebumps talking about it. And the, the thing that struck me about that experience was... I've always liked dolphins because I know they're hyper intelligent. And so at some point I, I like tangled my foot in the net and like hung myself over as far as I could just to get close. And this dolphin held eye contact with me for like minutes, just staring right back at me like you're thinking stuff and this is weird and this is incredible. And I knew you guys were smart and now here's my proof. And it's just swimming real fast and looking at me in my eyes. It was so cool. But yeah, 40, 40 plus dolphins. Like we tried counting them and it was 40 plus. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like big people sized dolphins. Do you think they were protecting you from something? Because sometimes dolphins swirl oh, around yeah, right? to like protect mm-hmm. a human from a shark. If yeah, they're just maybe. like swimming in the open or something. Maybe, yeah. Who knows? Or like maybe that. they just want to hang out. They're like, I want to connect. Yeah, with yeah, you. right. Eye right. To eye. Yeah. Let's like who knows, do this. right? Like they're just so smart. It all seemed very playful. Like that's what it was. That's like good then. Like because even when they even by the time they were side by side with us, they're still jumping out of the water and kind of showing off and maybe trying to socialize. But yeah, that was so incredible. And you, you hear people say like, oh, we saw dolphins and you don't really know how cool that is until you're like there with them and you realize this is like the intelligence king of the ocean. You know what I mean? But I definitely amazing. agree. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like I 
also have felt that way of like dolphins or whales and people are like we saw yeah. a whale you're mm-hmm. like that sounds cool and then when i saw a whale for the first time oh like, yeah or you're like mm-hmm. holy shit like yeah. that's amazing yep, yep and it sounds just so normal when someone right says right it. right well now i get that story you know, it's yeah like, i feel like that would have been just as magnificent but yeah that was that was incredible and those boat trips i think were kind of my defining self-discovery moments because like i said i didn't think i was a water person i didn't think i was a boat person and a million times since that trip i've been like i need to get back out on one of those boats like i would live on one of those boats for a weird amount of time (laughs) yeah so i was gonna ask do you feel now like you're more of a water person like water culture or like do you seek out water experiences now more so than you did before that probably not i really think it was still the desert rat well yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) until i die for sure desert for life but but a desert rat can get on a boat absolutely absolutely Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, like like it really was something about being on the water, knowing I could jump into the water if I wanted to. Like even though we couldn't really go anywhere, it still was extremely freeing and liberating, and felt like like nothing else. I, I don't really know how to describe it, and I think that's why I think it's so cool. Like I look back on it, I'm like I don't know why that was so neat, and why it shocked me so much, but that's why I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love bodies of water and I like the water culture of like being on the water. Yeah. Admittedly, like in safe situations, I have never right, been right, like stranded right. at sea or in a oh, God, yeah. situation where it gets really stormy. So mm-hmm. I haven't taken those big of risks, but just to be on a nice sunny day and yeah. like be out on the water, it does kind of make you reflect on life and like I get that now. you kind of can just mm-hmm. connect with the openness, like the vastness of sure. what a body of water yes. can be yes. is a really humbling experience. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I I do remember the few parts of those trips where you couldn't see anything but water. And yeah, it's pretty profound. So I get that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, incredible trip. And we were probably there for too long. Three months is a very, very long time to be in a place that humid. Like (laughs) our married couple friends, Colin and Sarah, that was no sweat to them. They'd already been traveling the world and they've been in all kinds of climates. And and, uh, Matthew and I... Matthew is not originally from Arizona, but he had been there for like 10, 15 years and we're dying. We're just like, it's so wet and this is gross and taking uh, a shower all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, we're just, Oh, so that was the, the unpleasant part of it is like not really being ready for the discomforts. And, yeah. and Matthew put it really well. At some point he said, we brought our work with us and we have all of these discomforts that are new and we didn't really get to bring any of our pleasures with us. You know, like we didn't, Mm. we intentionally came pretty bare bones. We had our computers and the laptop you work on is not the same thing as your home computer where you have access to your television shows and all of your music and all of your games. And it's, it's where you talk to your friends, you know? And so it was not the same thing. And, uh, it was just not a big deal at this point, but in that last month we're like, Oh, this was too much for us. Like we're, we're new travelers. This is, (laughs) we've been off probably more than we can chew. (laughs) Yeah. And I would argue that even the laptop is not the same as like a normal work setup, right? You don't have an extra monitor Mm -hmm. or an extra mouse Mm -hmm. or a nice ergonomic chair yeah. or, you know not yeah. maybe you don't have all those things at home but you probably have some things that bring you comfort just yeah. when you're working at home even if you are working at home mm-hmm. so to not have that and to literally just have your laptop and yeah. maybe a couch or something is yeah. definitely it can change up the way you work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh 
something else that was very cool in order to switch gears away from the unpleasant part. And that's honestly the end of the unpleasantry. It's like, apart from the fact that I become kind of a cranky asshole, like once I, once my energy is depleted and I want to go home, that's all on me though. You can ask my friends who are traveling with me about that, but to move on from the unpleasantness, another thing was really neat was there was a artisan market inside the village that happened. I want, it was every Saturday or Sunday and people from all over the region would come and sell stuff. And it struck me as a group of people that were always moving maybe. Okay. And Saturday or Sunday was just that, that place's day. Um, cool. but, but I'm a big cigar person. And so one of the things that was really neat for me was it'd be Saturday. We'd be like, we don't have to work today. It's our weekend. Like, let's not sweat the work details. And so we'd go to this market in the morning and there was a cigar roller there from Puerto Vallarta and he was there rolling cigars in front of us. And by the time I had gone for the second or third time, he was like, oh, it's you. You love cigars. You buy so many cigars. I wasn't spending a lot of US dollars on cigars, but it sure was a lot of pesos on cigars. So I, without knowing it, was like a premium customer. So I'd show up and he'd be like, oh, you're here. Cool. Like I got this new thing. I brought new leaves for you. And he'd roll these cigars on the spot and sell them to me for like nothing but he was making great money. So it was fantastic and it felt cool. And then I'd have like this huge bundle of cigars, all different sizes, all different flavors that I would just smoke until the next week out in the jungle, out on these (laughs) rocks on the beach, because no one cares if you're smoking a cigar anywhere. And uh, it was super cool. Like we had an unspoken relationship with that cigar roller. Yeah. It was awesome. He's like so happy to see me and I was so happy to get more cigars from him. And uh, yeah, that was really neat. But other things in that market were like, um, you know, people had like the different flavored popsicles that like Mexico sort of invented with different Mm. fruits. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there was all kinds of nuts with all kinds of, you know, we put like sugar on almonds sometimes they mm-hmm. take that to the next level they have every kind of nut with every kind of spice you could possibly imagine sometimes they'd serve it in ice cream cones sometimes they'd have it on bread sometimes it'd be like weird little burritos full of spice nuts it was awesome <laughs> yeah that was that was how great. often did you buy burritos with spice nuts oh at least <laughs> a couple like a times yeah like like that weekend was, treat like yeah because the weekly routine is like let's just get cheap food so that we can buy cool things at this market you know we yeah spend a bunch of money there and yeah, that was so cool. Like getting to experience very, very authentic Mexican treats, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah and get to try all the nuances of yes. different styles mm-hmm. that they're offering. Mm-hmm. It sounds so luxurious too, to have your personal cigar roller. Yeah. And even though, like you said, you maybe weren't spending a ton of money. Right. Like you have that personal relationship. Yeah. He knows mm-hmm. you. It's like your guy. Yeah. And as a cigar fanatic, that mm-hmm. might've been one of the oh, best. Yeah. cigar situations you found yourself in yeah it was huge history of your and i still so distinctly remember some of those cigars too you know it's like a few of those i'll never have again because they were so they were fresh leaf they were from this specific part of the world that they don't export you know so yeah it was kind of neat knowing that like i had some some unique smokes that's Mm, cool yeah i don't know a lot about cigars but it sounds fascinating can you put different flavors in there yeah 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 because it's three different types of leaf it's three different layers of leaf and those three layers of leaf come from all over the world so if you start to ask the the guy or girl at the counter what's in the cigar they'll say like the outer part is from colombia the inner part is from mexico the innermost part is from like connecticut so that's kind of where the flavors come from because they taste different depending on where they were grown. And how they're combined, too. And how they're combined oh, okay. and how they're treated. So, you know, they'll, they'll roll them all up and cut them up and make them ready to go. And then they'll 
put oils on them or they'll sit in a specific container for a year or whatever. So yeah, a whole bunch of things change it. Honestly, I'm not super sensitive to like the different flavors. Mm -hmm. They're mostly all good to me, but there were still a few in that bundle that were like, this is special and I know it. So I need to like slow down and really cherish this or like save it and then find a cool place to smoke it, like up on that big rock down the beach <laughs> or something like that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then by the end of the trip, it sounds like you're ready to go home. A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had that feeling too. Like there's nothing wrong with admitting that you had an amazing trip. Oh it's yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. one of the best trips ever. Yeah. But that at the end of the day, you know, there's time when you're like, let's do the homeward bound yes. thing too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throwing the towel. Yeah. And I had two, um, two friends of mine from back home in Arizona they came and met me in, up at our place in the last week, and they flew back down with me. So that was nice, you know? Yeah. Um, because Matthew bailed out a couple weeks earlier. He's like, I hate this. I'm out of here. I'm done. He also had an incredible time, but he sort of had the financial flexibility to change his plans, and he did. And I was like, mm. man, I, I hate you, but I get it. I'd have done the same thing, so take it easy. Yeah. So luckily, my two friends came up with me, and I, I rode back with them and spent that last week that, w- with them there, and that was really good. But yeah, I was very, very ready to be home. And as an introvert, I had way overdone, you know, my energy stores. And I sat in my bedroom for about a week after I came back, just like getting my bearing. It was at a friend's house because I dumped my lease at the place I was living at. And I was in my friend's bedroom in his spare room, just like sitting on an air mattress, just watching movies, but not really watching them. You know, they're just on in the background while my brain like slowly reformed itself back into the shape of a brain because I was so overstimulated and over socialized and over alcoholed and I had eaten too much and it was incredible, but I was like destroyed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... Next time we'll go for a month and it'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like as eye rolling as the phrase is, like you do need a vacation from your yeah, vacation yeah, right. sometimes. Mm-hmm. In this case, it wasn't a total vacation because you were working. We were working, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But to take a break after you've yeah. taken a break yeah. from your real life yeah. is ironic, but right. necessary sometimes. So. And we had gotten so much work done on that trip too, you know? So it was like... That was a guiltless restoration. We really got so much done. We had sent out builds of this game and we're talking to people and and we probably got a little bit further in our schedule than we would have gotten just being in our normal routine. So at the end of the day, like it ended up being this this weirdly beneficial thing. Plus by the time we got back, it was New Year's. So mm. it was like the most perfect possible time to come home and just need to undestroy your mind you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it worked out that's awesome mm-hmm. it sounds like a super cool trip and yeah. it, maybe in the future you'll do another like short-term live abroad work I hope abroad so. situation mm-hmm. i hope so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. My, my dream place is morocco Ooh. Yeah, yeah yeah have you been no 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 no. i haven't i i it's when i say my dream place i mean since i was about 18 ish 17 ish because what happened is 9-11 occurred and I didn't know anything about the Middle East. And I'm like, I kind of want to learn about this because I don't know anything. And that's when I sort of discovered the Middle East. And then I found out there's this place that is ocean, that is the Arab world, that is the desert, that is mountains. It's all these fantasy paintings. The term I used earlier rolled into one. And uh, 
it, everything about it was enchanting. So no, it's been a long time, but that's that's where my next big thing will be, and I'm so excited. That so excited. Sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to Morocco, but yeah. I've only heard really exciting, yeah, like, right, amazing things. So. Well, and it's such a crossroads place too that whenever I'm like in a Morocco mood and I need to watch something or listen to something, it's so easy to find cool stuff. Like the most recent thing I found was someone put a, a camera on a drone and flew it over all three of their major cities and then splice it together so all it is is this overhead view of these cities at like this real slow pace to this beautiful moroccan music but you're looking down on three completely distinct desert arabic places and it's incredible and like i said it's lucky that it's such a rich place because there's so much moroccan music there's so many documentaries about it there's so many cool things you can read about i have like five books on like living in Morocco or visiting Morocco. (laughs) You're prepared. I'm so prepared, like (laughs) overly prepared and I'm so excited. But uh, that's that's kind of like my the thing motivating me to get on a plane again. So yeah, yeah. exciting. Maybe Mm. 2019, 2020, who knows? Fingers crossed. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Well, to wrap up, what is your favorite thing about travel? (sighs) I know I just told a big story about flying to Mexico but all of the other traveling I've ever done was in a truck and it was primarily through the American Southwest. And my favorite part of travel is driving by myself to a place and not being completely prepared for it. Like that's kind of when I feel alive. It's when I feel like I'm taking a bit of a risk. I'm not really, I'm driving to like Denver from (laughs) Phoenix. That's not that crazy, but I'm going over mountains and through Utah. So it really is that drive. I get to light cigars and it's not bothering anyone. And I get to turn on my music and my podcasts. And those are kind of my like me moments. And I think that's my favorite thing. And and in the last three years, I've driven about 30,000 miles between like Denver, Fort Collins, Moab, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and I've loved every single second of driving. I am not a long distance road traveler typically, right? but I can relate with that feeling of just being on the road mm-hmm. or on the somewhat empty highway yeah, kind of right. feeling of like just being in your own thoughts Yep. Or, and also having that thrill of like, I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing. I think I feel that a lot in travel yeah. and I like mm-hmm. that part of it. It does make you feel alive yep. and yep. that's kind of what you're doing it again for. It's that hit of mm-hmm. aliveness that yes. you're getting. Yes, yep, that's yeah. exactly it. And And, you know, I'm really sensitive to like, to other people. If someone's in the car with me, I need to know that they're comfortable and I need to know they're having a good time. And it's really nice not thinking about it. So I prefer being by myself, honestly, when I'm on a big drive. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that's that's going to happen again soon. If it wasn't winter and I wasn't a desert rat terrified of snow, I would have <laughs> driven here to Seattle. So hopefully this summer, that's what I'll do. I'll just drive here, go through California, go through Oregon and yeah. just have the biggest, longest. That would be the longest drive I've ever done. That'd be a beautiful drive mm-hmm. too. Oh, like you yeah. could take the pack highway up once you mm-hmm. hit the California coast. It's supposed to be yeah. one of the best drives there's, in the U.S. So. There's so many different ways I could drive here, and they would all be gorgeous. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm jealous of your yeah, future yeah, yeah, drive. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm super stoked. Awesome! Thank you so much oh, for you. being a guest on the podcast. Yeah, I had so you. much fun hanging out and talking with yeah, you today. Yeah, me too. I appreciate it. Hey Globetrotters, thanks for listening to Trinspo, the travel inspiration podcast. 
If you loved this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. To support the pod and rock some swag while heading out on your next adventure, check out our new merch page at transpo.com slash merch. You can always get more of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and transpo.com. Thanks for coming along for the journey.